Broadcasting from the heartland of America. In the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier on your special weekend edition here. The Voice of Reason, a very special weekend edition here. The Voice of Reason, obviously with Thanksgiving week that we are still trying to work through here. I know, I know that you're having a hard time right now trying to uh, break down that tryptophan overdose. For those that don't know, that would be the turkey overdose. No, you're not taking a whole bunch of drugs or anything. Big Pharma. Although I guess you could. We'll talk about that story in just a second. But welcome into the show. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here at the Hoosier Media Network Studios as we broadcast on numerous radio stations all over the place, coast to coast, across this great fruited plain. It's wonderful to have you. Bottom of this hour, Chris Senecola. He is, he'll be joining us as we talk about history. We'll talk about the history of Thanksgiving. We'll talk about civics and government. And are we lacking with... The understanding of history and civics and government and so on and so forth in our public education system. And how do we get it back? Restoring the City on a Hill is the book from the institute that he works with. And we'll have a talk with them coming up at the bottom of the hour. Really happy to have them on the show. First and foremost, happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. It's always a fun holiday. I'm curious on how long that this holiday will continue to be allowed to be a holiday. And it's unfortunate that we have to say that. But look at what they did with Christopher Columbus. Let's be honest. I mean, Christopher Columbus Day was a day that we were supposed to celebrate just as the fact that, you know, Christopher Columbus and the the ships, if you remember the song, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria, they all came over and then we settled. And it was the first time that Europeans had made their way over across the big pond and settled in really Central America, but discovering, quote unquote, the Americas. Now, obviously, we know, as we know the history, that that's not really accurate because actually Vikings and Scandinavians made it over here like a thousand years before that. But nonetheless, it's still a monumental point in time. The Really, the first documented sign of Europeans making their way over here. And we're not allowed to celebrate that festival any longer because, well, it's now Indigenous Peoples Day. And you have to celebrate the Indigenous people who are persecuted and who are left suffering because of someone like Christopher Columbus which is a very selective uh, way of looking at history and a very bigoted, close-minded way of looking at history because obviously the Native Americans fought amongst each other as well. I always like to use the reference on the show that the Aztecs used to play soccer with the heads of their enemies. They used to enslave each other. They used to attack each other. They used to take uh, take over each other's lands. So it wasn't like the indigenous people were all just lovey-dovey, hunky-hory, hold hands and sing kumbaya. They were pretty vicious to each other. It's just that the Europeans were more technologically sophisticated, understood the world around them a little bit better in a certain degree. I'm not saying in every aspect. Uh, Obviously, Native Americans were probably a little bit more spiritual in that sense, connected to the earth, if that's the way people want to look at it. But uh, Christopher Columbus and theirs had uh, weapons, had guns, knew astronomy a little bit better, and was able to use that against the Native Americans to their advantage. Not saying it was right, just saying that that's the way that the society worked. So that being said, how long are we going to go until we start hearing the cries to cancel Thanksgiving? The Thanksgiving when we saw the pilgrims and the Native Americans get together and actually feast together. Where the Native Americans helped them not die during their trying times when they didn't know how to plant the food. They didn't know how to survive, and they didn't know how to actually live in this new land. When are we going to see the canceling of the Thanksgiving celebration from the left woke 
Nazis that they are, which they've already tried every year. But I'm telling you, I don't know how long that they're going to continue that on because, well, we have turkey to eat and we're going to enjoy it the best we can. It's it's either going to be the woke ones that are upset about Thanksgiving because of the whole indigenous people working with white people thing, or it's going to be PETA that's angry because so many turkeys end up getting slaughtered during the time as well. So either way, uh, Thanksgiving is next on the docket for the left-wing progressives to try and attack. And the reason I say all of this is because obviously as you're going through your Thanksgiving celebrations, maybe you did it on Thanksgiving Day, in which case I hope you enjoyed it. You had a great one. We'll talk about some fun traditions in history a little bit later. But this weekend also is probably some more family get-togethers. And correct me if I'm wrong, show of hands, how many of you actually have one of those family members in your family that tries to say these unrealistic, ridiculous, absurd comments at the family dinner table? They always tell us, not to talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. Now, I have a hard time doing that because the profession that I'm in doing talk radio, I have a very difficult time not talking because I don't know how to talk about anything else. Got to be honest. (laughs) I don't follow football, so I can't really talk about that, which is really tough because I live in Kansas where we have the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what everybody talks about. And let me tell you something. I don't care about the Kansas City Chiefs. I really don't care about Travis Kelsey and what's-her-face that are dating right now. I just don't care. Makes no difference. I work at a radio station that has a sports station, and I hear about it all the time. So I get my updates, but I couldn't tell you what's going on beyond that. So I can't talk football. I can do the small talk with family, but why? Why would you want to do the small talk? If you're going to talk about something, at least make it worth my time, right? Do the little return on investment. Let's have a substantial conversation. So let's talk about politics. And in fact, I want to take it a little bit further. And I say that I think talking about politics is probably the most important thing you can do. Because I think, in my humble opinion, that one of the reasons that we have a society of the next generation that does not understand the issues is because we've made it so taboo to talk about politics and religion at the dinner table. And I think it's about darn time that we start doing that. What do you think? I think it's about darn time that we start having the conversation, the round table, and even, yes, disagree with one another at the time where we can talk about these issues in front of the children and they can hear us have these conversations in a very civil manner, but yet in a fun manner where we can have those conversations. So that's what I'm doing this Thanksgiving break. And while I did that on my Thanksgiving holiday as well, I have to thank Mrs. Voice of Reason for making the amazing turkey that I always love to eat and we enjoy thoroughly every single year. I don't know what she does to it other than soaking it in sweet red wine. I don't know what else she does to it. I made my traditional deviled eggs. We had all the other fun stuff. I did enjoy a little bit of cranberry sauce and it was beautiful. Can't wait for uh, Christmas now because now I get to enjoy the leftovers, which is making enchiladas with the turkey. Turkey enchiladas, always our tradition or getting all of the good stuff now. And I'm already see, I'm already hungry thinking about this. I'm going to do this when I get off the air today. Already thinking about it. I'm going to grab all of the stuff that we do for the typical Thanksgiving plate. I'm going to put it in a burrito and smother it in gravy, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, people look at me strange. I don't care what you think. I still think that's one of the greatest things that you can possibly do. Nonetheless, what did you talk about during your Thanksgiving conversation? And was it a good family get-together? According to the New York Times, they try to uh, tell you how to cool things down a little bit during the conversation. Their headline, their opinion piece that they had just a couple of days ago, speak up at Thanksgiving, your health depends on it. They try to bring awareness to 
the health issues. The room filled with faces, both familiar and new, great silent. As the guest caught the sudden shift, I faced the dilemma. Should I challenge the statement or opt for a harmony over Discord when they talk about the good old days of how the Thanksgiving traditions used to be? The shift of the topic to gender roles. It was my father's friend, a revered patriarch in the mid-70s, which really mentioned how he missed the good old days when things were simpler and, quote, people knew their place. For many of us, especially in our current political climate, they continue on, speaking up in such a setting feels risky. Yet the act of choosing silent might be affecting us more deeply than we think, to the detriment of our emotional and even physical well-being. Apparently, they want the progressives to speak up more. How dare you talk about gender roles and people being in their place? It's time for them to speak up. Now, this is the same side, remember, that has to go through masculinity confession booths and that has a lot of mental illness and are questioning their genders or their sexual preferences because they're confused about themselves. And now, according to the opinion from the New York Times and the psychologists out there in the world that uh, that consult with the New York Times, apparently, that they're now advocating for the progressives to speak up. No, lar- no, more, no longer staying silent. You need to speak up. You need to make your voice heard. It's time to challenge the patriarchy of society. And that's what they want to do. As the organizational psychologist, the article goes on, and a recurring theme has emerged in the research, that people are reluctant to challenge or contradict others because of their fear of insinuating distrust or disapproval by other people. (laughs) I don't know that that's necessarily a problem from the progressive side of the aisle. Maybe it is for some. But I'm assuming that the radicals out there that are challenging their identities have no problem letting people know about how confused they are about their identities. I'm just throwing that out there. Now, for the conservative side, we've been told to keep our mouths shut for a very long time, have we not? We've been told not to talk about issues because, well, you don't want to ruffle the feathers. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to get the people all riled up and have a fight. We don't want to have a fight. I do want to push the buttons, though. I do want to see what they have to say. In fact, a little story here. My, until just a few years ago, my great-grandmother, she passed away I want to say about four or five years ago. She died at the age of 93. I was very close with her. It was amazing. Uh, They always told me, Andy, don't talk. This is before, you know, early on in my radio career. They told me, Andy, don't talk about politics at the dinner table. And this was when we would go back to Ohio where the majority of my family was. We would have these vast, massive uh, get-togethers for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the big holidays. And they would tell me, Andy, don't talk about politics because there were a lot of members of my family that were Democrats. My great-grandmother, who I love to death, she watched Fox News religiously. She loved politics. In fact, she would call me and tell me about stories that I didn't even hear because she's like, oh, they're just breaking right now. Don't you have Fox News on? And it's like the middle of the day and I'm working. No, Grandma, I, I, I haven't seen it. She was the one that would come in, sit right next to me, and just start ranting about politics, especially Barack Obama. She was not a fan of Barack Obama. No, not because of the race thing, which is what the Democrats are going to say. Andy's great-grandmother was racist. No, she wasn't. She just didn't care for Barack Obama and his socialist policies. But she would be the one. And I loved it because she was the head of the family. It was her side of the family. And obviously she had like, I want to say 12 uh, kids and grandkids and everybody. So you know, the lineage obviously was huge, and I would know cousins that I've never met in my entire life. And no one could say no to Grandma, Great-Grandma Henderson, because Great-Grandma Henderson, she was like the top of the whole family lineage and the family tree that was at the dinner. So no one could say anything from her, and she didn't care. She said everything under the sun on what was on her mind, 
And by golly, no one was going to silence her when there was a political issue that needed to be spoken about because it needed to be said. And I loved it. And, of course, the family got mad at me because I was the one that would kind of egg her on as well because I knew that when she got on the rant, I could just piggyback on it and no one could say anything to me either. So those are the conversations that I think need to be had. Is it divisive? Sometimes. But you know what? Conversation needs to be had. It's time for the progressives who are drug out of their basement once in a while to go into a family event, to go into a family environment with multiple different members of the family, maybe ones that they've never even known about. It's time to drag them out and have the conversation face-to-face as instead of something that was just on the Tweety where they have a certain amount of characters, they could bully people, they could act like the expert, and then they just go back and start hiding in their closet again. That This is the time where we have these conversations, and it may be difficult but I think it's important. It's also a little fun. And it's not to take away from the purpose of the holiday, but it's to enjoy the holiday a little bit more by having the conversation and maybe, maybe, just maybe, bringing a little bit of humanity to it all over again. Wouldn't that be nice just to have a little bit of humanity? Obviously, the progressives are advocating for their side to do the same thing. And like usual, if they do it and we don't, they have the upper advantage. And I have to say, I, I would not be able to sit. I'm pretty sure the majority of the listeners here would not be able to sit there and listen to a progressive droll on about gender issues and not stand up and say, you know, this is a really, really stupid conversation. We're not going to deal with this crap anymore. And we're going to lay down the law of what the heck's really going on. Here. We're going to lay down the truth, reason and common sense. Why? Because I'm a Hoosier holic and the voice of reason told me to do so. Happy Thanksgiving. We got a lot to talk about throughout the program today. Stay right here. Lots more coming up. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. So helping therapy the whole family, apparently during Thanksgiving. That's what we do here on the program. Your political therapist coming with you every single weekend, regardless whether it's a holiday or not. Don't worry, we'll be here. We love you to death. We're not going anywhere. Appreciate you hanging out with us as always. You can always find us on our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, on really any of the social media platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Yes, we do have a YouTube channel. Now, here's the thing. I'm always on strike number two on YouTube because they're like two years delayed on my content. So as soon as I lose one of them, then I gain another one of the strikes back because of the quote-unquote misinformation of whatever that misinformation may be, medical misinformation or whatever. But we do have it. We don't do much with the YouTube channel any longer because of that fact. So uh, we are working on uh, other alternatives. I heard that Rumble does live streaming. We may start working on ways to try and get Rumble up and going for a live. We have a Rumble account as well, but again, we don't do much with it because it's just a pain to try and upload all the shows on there afterwards. But we're trying to see if we can't start doing live streaming on Rumble soon. We do have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv, so you can watch the video feed there. And, of course, our Twitter account or X account at Hoosier Reason as well. Plus, we have Getter and we have Truth Social and our Freedom Book. Whatever social media platform fill in the blank that you use, we're on it. And it's all the same at Hoosier Reason. You can also find us on our website at HoosierReason.com and see the link to all those. Plus, we got to give a hat tip to our partners over at OpsLens with the video stream that they give us each and every day with all the same platforms, but on their handle at OpsLens 
in Opslens.com and their website, too. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I want to hear the stories about the brawls that went on on Black Friday this uh, the, at the end of the week. And I'm assuming that this year, because of how high inflation has been, that I'm sure the majority of the fights broke out in grocery stores over food as opposed to flat screen TVs. Because, well, now, I mean, criminal justice is so bad anyways right now that cops aren't even arresting you for stealing stuff. So why would I wait to get it on a Black Friday sale when I could just go and take it and walk away with it anyways? Why the heck not, right? Yeah, welcome to 2023 in the world in the United States. But uh, with Black Friday's shopping, that's always fun to listen to as well. And apparently people are traveling quite a bit this year because inflation's come down just a little bit. Now, when I say it's come down just a little bit, I mean it's just come down a little bit. Uh, You can't raise inflation by about 20% and then inflation come down by about, well, it didn't go down. It just stopped growing. So inflation has slowed itself And therefore, people think that everything's great and we can get back to traveling. Now, I warn you that while that's good, and yes, gas prices are somewhat reasonable now, I just filled up my tank a couple of days ago, and with my 30-cent discount because of the grocery store uh, rewards that I got, uh, the 30-cent discount came down to $2.68. I haven't seen that gas price in a very long time. Now, that's with the gas station discount. If that wasn't the case, it would have been right at about $3 at $2.98. So it's still up there where it doesn't need to be, but it's better than the $3.60 that we had seen just a few months ago for an average across the nation. And with us here in Kansas, that's a little absurd. So with the relief briefly in energy and gas prices in the holiday season, where typically we start seeing a tapering off of demand for oil, even though oil prices are still floating between $70 to $80 a barrel, gas prices are going down because demand overall is going down just a little bit. And if that's the case, that's cool, but we need to remember what we're doing for the long term here. And I'm not telling you not to go visit family. What I am saying is that get ready for the Biden administration and the Democrats to find a new economic platform to say the economy's back on track because look at all the people that are traveling. Look at all the people that are traveling around the country on planes and on in, in uh, cars and so on and so forth. As they're estimating Tuesday, Wednesday last week leading up to Thanksgiving alone, they were expecting near 2.7 million passengers to be traveling across the nation. So that's pretty impressive, and who knows what it's going to look like actually by the end of this weekend as well. So just be ready that while the economy's not back on track, we're traveling more because we feel a slight release and relief right now, that the economy is not where it needs to be, but yet the Democrats are going to use it to their full advantage and say, look, it's back to normal. Everybody wants to get back to it. And they're going to lie through their treats, so get ready for that. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. It is The Voice of Reason. Your Thanksgiving weekend. I know that you're probably still stuffed from the turkey. That turkey hangover can be a you-know-what. But hey, that's what we all live for, right? we got to enjoy it. Then we get to do it again on Christmas here in just a couple of weeks from now as well. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Excited to have our next guest on the line as we had to get him back on. We had him during the weekday program. 
And I love the conversation. I love the direction that we're going as we try to solve the issues of the nation right now. And we try to focus on what's going on in Washington, D.C. And sometimes you have to bring up the dirty stuff to be able to clean it up and get it out. So we had to bring him on this program as well, as he is with the Pioneer Institute, author of the book, Restoring the City on a Hill, U.S. History and Civics in America's Schools. Excited to have on here the co-editor of the book, Chris Sinicola. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's so good to chat with you again. I loved our conversation from the last time, and it it gives me optimism of the direction that we're going in the country because there are so many things. We hear all the negativity in the news right now, and sometimes we have to hear that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There are things that we can do, and there are ways that we can actually get this country back on track. So that's good news, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Thanksgiving, and every year we say, I'm sure most of us say to ourselves, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to overeat. I'm not going to (laughs) keep doing the same things. Of course, we do it. But with Thanksgiving and even with Christmas, that's okay because it's a couple days a year. The problem is when we keep doing the same things over and over again with regard to public policy, that's where we get into trouble, real trouble. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, Obviously, the book, we talk about the public education system and the lack of conversation, lack of dialogue, and the lack of proper history. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but uh, for those that may not have heard the the first time that we chatted, give us kind of a brief rundown of where we've gotten to this point and how we've seen the 1619 Project come out and how we've seen this just rewriting of American history to the point where many young adults don't understand how we founded this nation, don't understand that we're not a colonizing nation or that we're some evil empire across the world right now. And uh, because right now we're getting such a negative image that we're seeing patriotism go down right now. We're seeing the uh, young generation unwilling to even uh, sign up for the military and fight for this nation because they don't value it or understand it enough, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, at Pioneer, a lot of what we do, about 50% of our work, is focused on education, uh, both in Massachusetts and nationally. And we've watched uh, this for a very long time. I mean, Massachusetts took a leadership position after 1993 with an Education Reform Act that propelled the state to the front rank, not just nationally, but internationally. And a lot of that was grounded in strong curriculum, high standards, high expectations in the classroom. And while a lot of that remains in effect, uh, you know, education in Massachusetts is still really strong, there's been a lot of worries and signs, both here and nationally, that the rising generations don't have the same understanding and appreciation for the nation's past that our our parents' and grandparents' generations had. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that, of course, Uh, you know, the the culture being what it is, the short attention spans, the rise of an Internet generation, and so forth. Um, But... You know, we remain uh, optimistic at Pioneer. We're optimistic. I'm by nature an optimistic person. There are a lot of good signs out there as well, a lot of signs of hope and reasons for optimism going forward. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, are we seeing, now that we're aware, and I'm almost wondering that now that we're aware of the issue, which is, I think, really the mm-hmm. first sign to bring awareness to it, that we can start solving the issue. And I think COVID maybe brought out that sign that parents mm-hmm. starting to be involved in public schools again, going to their school board meetings, concerned about curriculum. This is kind of the first step to realize like, oh, wow, there's something wrong with our schools and we need to do something about it. Yes, I think that's true. COVID played a huge role. I mean, Personally, uh, my wife and I homeschooled our children, four children, uh, to some degree or another, each of them, uh, over the years, beginning in the late 1980s, so back when homeschooling wasn't cool. and It wasn't. It was really kind of pioneering, you know, new, new ground. Yeah. There weren't a lot of homeschoolers in those days. 
But what we saw with COVID were parents across the political spectrum and across the nation taking a look at the schools and saying, well, wait a second, how come these Catholic schools over here, these Jewish day schools over here, have remained open, but our local public schools can't be open? What's going on here? Mm. And the more they looked, uh, the less they liked what they saw, and they concluded that, you know, maybe we ought to give this a shot ourselves, see whether we can do some enrichment of, you know, supplementing the curriculum, if you will, or going all in, and, uh, you know, doing homeschooling. Uh, so the numbers have grown enormously, both for homeschooling and for other alternatives, be they private schools or public charter schools, what have you. Uh, it's really become a, a significant portion of the K-12 population across the nation. Yeah, it really has. Here in Kansas, where I'm based out of with our flagship station, mm-hmm. we even see the idea of micro-schooling, which seems to be apparently a popular yep. thing, and we're kind of driving that one. That's an interesting concept as well, with kind of different parents along the block mm-hmm. all trying to help out with the education. Uh, it, do you think that's going to gain any traction? nationwide? I think it is gaining some traction. It's um, very interesting. We've seen some of them even here in Massachusetts. Um, Some states, Massachusetts being one of them, Connecticut, the New England states generally, aren't as fertile ground for school choice as it has been, say, in the Midwest and in the South, where we've seen a lot of movement. Um, Some of that is administrative. There are a lot of barriers in the way. Micro-schools are a really interesting alternative because these are folks, parents, who are saying, you know, we're not really asking permission so much anymore. We're just going to do this, you know, because after all, you have your children, you know, they're born, they get to be, before you know it, you turn around, they're six, you know, five, six years old, ready to go to school, kindergarten, first grade, what have you. And then a few short years later, they're like, give me the car keys, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right? So you have to catch them in that window. And parents, I think, uh, and we speak about this in the closing chapter of Restoring the City on a Hill, our latest book, parents are fed up. They're not going to sit around and wait for the bureaucratic wheels to turn and say, oh, finally, here's the school that you've been waiting for all these years. Because by the time that happens, their children are young adults. They're married. They're having children of their own. So they're taking responsibility for this in a very direct way and teaming up with like-minded parents to provide education that is, by any measure, thorough, uh, really, you know, grounded in reality and, and good, solid curriculum. This is not a case of parents taking their children out of a system for something that is not as rigorous. It's actually equal to or better than what they have on offer in their local public schools, I think. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Chris Sinicola. He's the co-editor of the book, Restoring the City on a Hill, U.S. History and Civics in America's Schools, which you can find with Pioneer Institute and on their website. We're obviously in Thanksgiving weekend now, and that brings up an interesting point as well with the understanding of history, because we've already seen the trashing of Christopher Columbus Day. We're not allowed to celebrate that anymore. It's now Indigenous Peoples Day because Christopher Columbus was just an evil white man that just spread diseases and enslaved a whole bunch of Native Americans and and, and Indigenous people. Uh, we've already seen that attempted attack on Thanksgiving as well. But Chris, how long do you mm-hmm. think that we're actually going to be able to celebrate Thanksgiving before that holiday goes to the wayside too? Because, well, we're not allowed to be working with the Native Americans and working with them to learn how to survive on the land, right? Well, I, I think one of the most dangerous things one could do is try to get between uh, me and my piece of Thanksgiving pie. <laughs> so I suspect Thanksgiving is here to stay. Uh, you bring up an interesting point with Columbus. Um, you know, in many ways, the debate over Columbus is not a new one. You know, people look at this and say, oh, now it's Indigenous People's Day. Well, is it really? I mean, 
sure, there were some problems with Columbus's arriving in the New World. There would have been problems with anyone arriving in a new world, yeah. bringing diseases which, you know, a native population was not exposed to previously. Um, it was going to happen eventually. Uh, that doesn't excuse everything Columbus did. But the debate over Columbus is at least as old and probably older than the 1940s when um, Samuel Elliott Morrison, one of the great American historians, wrote his book, uh, Columbus, uh, about you know, he actually reproduced the journeys that Columbus made. Uh, he was a sailor himself and a Navy veteran, and he took the roots so that he could better understand the amazing achievement that Columbus had in terms of being a navigator and an explorer. Um, and he talks about, in that book, published more than oh, almost 80 years ago now, about some of the problems that Columbus, uh, the, the legacy and how it's not perfect. So it's not as if this is somehow new information. It's just that in their eagerness to tear down old institutions, I think a lot of these, um, call them what you will, woke uh, folks, you know, today don't see any of the good. They throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Well, it's it's almost selective history, isn't it? I mean, it's selective because you look Mm -hmm. at Native Americans. Native Americans were already in fighting as well. I mean, I always use the reference that, I mean, Aztecs were playing soccer with the skulls of their enemies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were enslaving other tribes. They were killing each other off as well. So the fact that we're only selectively looking at the white man who was more technologically advanced and had the ability to do that, that's just, I'm not saying it's right, but that's just human nature. That's what every culture was yeah. doing at that time. So why are we only blaming the evil white guy that came over and enslaved those yeah. those people? Yeah, I mean, if you look at Thanksgiving and really get into the history of the early uh, history of New England uh, through you know historians such as Morrison and Bernard Balin and uh, others, David Hackett Fisher, some amazing work has been done over the years that really shows a very nuanced view and understanding of this that, uh, you know, it wasn't simply the matter of you know white settlers coming here and slaughtering Native peoples. There was infighting, as you point out, among Native peoples, distinctive tribes. There were alliances, shifting alliances, um, the French and the English and uh, the Americans all vying for control, and the Spanish, you know, for control of North America. So to at what point do you want to take back history, right? At what point do you want to turn back the clock and say, here was the original sin? Well, it's impossible to do that. We're 400-plus years on. So uh, naturally, you know, we, we want to do right by people. We want to be respectful and inclusive and all, all those other things. But it's simply not the case that um, you know, it's all, all the sins are on one side, nor does it serve any purpose in, in our view you know, to simply say that America is somehow inherently racist or um, you know, a damaged society beyond repair. That's simply not true. Um, America has been a beacon of hope and opportunity for people around the world, and they keep coming here, yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a reason why we're right. there's a reason why we still have the American dream, and people are flooding our borders right, right. now to come and check us out. Hang on the line here. We got to take a break. We're hanging out with Chris Nicola, the co-editor of Restoring the City on a Hill: U.S. History and Civics in America's Schools. We'll do some more of this as we come back to wrap up hour number one of your weekend edition of the Voice Series, and lots more to come. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier Holics gather every week. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. I get it. It's okay. I know you have an addiction. I know you have a problem. We're here to fulfill your political 
juices every single weekend right here on The Voice Reason. Always wonderful to have you along. You can find us on our social media at Who's Your Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason, and our website, of course, at Who'sYourReason.com. We're hanging out with Chris Sinicola for another segment here, co-editor of Restoring the City on a Hill, U.S. History and Civics in America's Schools, which you can find with the Pioneer Institute. And Chris, we appreciate your time. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. We've talked about some history now let's talk about civics and politics. We have an election coming up next year, and while I want everybody to get out and vote, at the same time, I also don't like people going out and voting when they have no clue what they're voting for or don't understand the way that the process is actually done. Is that is that wrong of me to say maybe you should be informed before you go and cast oh. your ballot? <laughs> you know, Andy, I think that that's the dirty little secret that a lot of us, uh, I don't know, uh, right-of-center folks have, which is that... Uh, Yes, we do believe in, in universal suffrage and all that, but we want it to be informed. Uh, it just it pains me when I go to the polls and I see folks come in there and just pull a lever because their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents belong to the same party. I mean, uh, really, what's the point of that? Aren't you thinking this through? It's a lot more fun when you think it through. And, you yeah. know, looking back over many, many elections now, uh, more than I care to uh, recount, um, I mean, I voted for Democrats, I voted for Republicans, third party, independents, Greens. I voted at one point in my life or another for just about every possible flavor of candidate, and that's because I vote for the person and not for the ideology. Uh, do I trust this person? Do I think that they are, uh, do they have the best interests of my community, my state, or my nation at heart? Whether I agree with them or not, well, that, that matters to some degree, but I don't have to agree with them on every single point. Right. I need to know that they have the character that's necessary. Um, and recently, I've been getting into a lot more podcasts, uh, listening to a lot more podcasts, which I think most uh, thoughtful Americans are doing these days for their media. And listening to long-form podcasts with political candidates for higher office, with whom I may not agree at all, but I find it fascinating because it gets you into a depth of detail and subtleties that you simply don't get in the mainstream media. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I always laugh. At the same time, I'm always very sad when I hear a lot of the, you know, the the people on the streets, the interviews of who's the current president, who's the current vice president, mm-hmm. and people have right. no clue. And I'm like, man, these people are voting, and they're canceling yeah. out our vote. And I mean, I, I know that we've talked last time a little bit about civics and, and government and, and understanding our basic governmental right. system in public education, but that's gone to the wayside. Are we seeing that start to be revived and come back in the classroom so that the next generation actually understands mm-hmm. what they're doing and how our government's laid out? I, I think so, and I hope so. Um, you know, we've done a number of polls at Pioneer, and going back, say, 10 years now, looking at things like school choice, talking to private parochial schools, you know, would you offer enrichment programs? Would you offer uh, vouchers? Would you accept uh, vouchers if they were a program in Massachusetts? Questions like that. Um, other surveys asking uh, residents, what do you think of your own public schools? Are they in A, B, C, or F? And for the most part, we're seeing pretty consistent pattern that somewhere around 60 to 75% of respondents, whatever the survey is, have some understanding and appreciation and respect for their local public schools, but think they could be better, but often don't take the time to really participate and make them better. So you have this really interesting um, dynamic, which I think reflects a broader dynamic in society. You know, everyone's busy, right? You want to do the right thing. You don't want to speed. You want to slow down to 20 in the school zone. But you don't always get it perfectly right, right? (laughs) Right. Um, So in education, I think that there's an appreciation 
even among uh, some of the teachers' unions and probably the leadership of the teachers' unions, that you do need some accountability. You do need some standards. Um, you know, whatever happens with testing here or there across the country, people understand, you know, there's strong support for, um, I think, one survey we did a year ago showed that 62% of voters in Massachusetts supported testing um, history, U.S. history, on our statewide high-stakes test. 80% favored studying, having students study the nation's founding in history. And among registered voters, 91%. Now, you'd like it to be 100%, right? Why shouldn't they study the nation's founding in history? Right. But I'll take 91%. That's pretty good, you know? So, optimism, yes, absolutely. I think, ultimately, we have to, we have no choice but to rely upon the goodness of the American people to do the right thing in the long run. Exactly. Yeah, we got to focus on it. It's going to be a work in progress, but it's going to be a long haul, and we can we can do this. We just have to focus on it and actually make this work. I don't want to hear people think that we're in a simple democracy of a nation that the majority rules, because then we see issues like you know the national popular vote and getting rid of electoral college votes and in complicating the system where it would be very bad for a lot of people. It is Chris Nicola, the book "Restoring the City on a Hill: U.S. History and Civics in America Schools." Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. I appreciate it very much. We got to get you back on the show and do it again real soon. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. Always a pleasure. Lots more coming up here on The Voice Reason for hour number two right around the corner. Stay right here. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government censorship and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch The Voice of Reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates from holistic and alternative medicine discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media.